Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Gives You Hate podcast, episode 44. Thank you to all 44,000 of our listeners for joining us tonight. This is really, really exciting stuff. Uh, alongside me, across the country, not literally alongside me, is uh, Jihan Batuman. How's it going, Jihan? How's the hate on the West Coast? Not great. It's like 40 degrees here. Well, I'm very jealous of you because it's like 10 degrees here and absolutely freezing. Oh, that. never mind. You have more reason to be angry. You know, you want, here's how I'll tell you how cold it was. So this morning, my car was covered in snow, and obviously I had to open the door to get into the car. And some snow fell into my, like the, you know, like the where you put your feet for the car, right? And so mm-hmm. you figure, okay, it's in there. You know, I'm going to turn the heat on. I'm going to drive to work, drive home. The snow, it, my car was so cold the entire day, the snow did not melt inside my car. Damn. Yeah. So I just carrying around snow with me because just in case someone needs it. You never know, man. You never know. Well, that's nice, though, because in a way you get to become close to that bit of snow. Right, exactly. And if you think that's stupid, then uh, I guess you won't think that your hater of the week is stupid. Well, no, a man and a man and his snow should never be divided, that's for sure. Now that I've got close to Ted. Ted is its name. I don't know if that was clear. Oh, no, I know. You, I've seen your Instagram that you made with Ted. Uh, yes, te- hashtag Ted and Ross. But... Interestingly enough, speaking of becoming friends with fictional objects or things that aren't there, I'm going to my hater of the week. Um, and yes, I realize you tried to set me up for that earlier, and I kind of skipped right over it. So, uh, w- well done. I-, I really fucked that up so far. It's okay. I'm, I'm just not going to try ever again. I'm going to phone in the rest of this. This episode or the podcast in general? Both. Both? Well, that's going to make things really shitty. Yeah. Sorry. But go ahead. You're like reverse Alex Jones. Anyway... <laughs> So, my hater of the week is a woman named Amanda Teague. Amanda Teague, not normally a very, wouldn't really be any relevance to anyone. She's just a a 45-year-old woman in uh, England who decided to get married. Unfortunately for her, instead of marrying a human man, she decided to marry a ghost. Yes, that's right. This 45-year-old woman legally got married to a 300-year-old ghost named Jack. Not just any Jack. Well, yeah, this is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow, according to the Lonely Island. And uh, singer-songwriter, heartthrob Michael Bolton. Well, yeah. He is he's the reason that song works. I mean, you can't really do it without Michael Bolton. That's true. I, I'm not even going to try and sing a line because I'm not as good as him. But Really? This is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow? It's really easy. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're going to just say it and not sing it, then sure. But Well, I mean, this is the tale oh. of Captain Jack Sparrow. See, there you go. I did it. I think we just got 45,000 fans off of that. We probably did. That was fast. You can feel the followers coming in. It just keeps ticking away. Um, anyway, so... This woman, uh, I was wrong, she's not from England, she's from Downpatrick in Northern Ireland. She is a Jack Sparrow impersonator and had already had five children with her human ex-husband, but she's never been able to connect with anyone like her husband Jack, including in a sexual way, which she refers to as a healthy sex life. Yes, that's right, she has arguments with him, healthy sex with him, and doesn't realize that it, uh, a man who was executed for his crimes in the 1700s does not exist. Well, to be fair, he did speak to her once and told her that, quote, we can actually be together, you know, in case she, like we are right now, doubted that this was a legitimate relationship. Yeah, she had to do some research to find out that this was real. uh, And there are a lot of people in spiritual relationships. All of these people are incredibly dumb. This is dumb. Even if you do believe in ghosts, which I maintain is dumb, you can't marry a ghost. That's not how this works. It's also weird that her family is enabling her by attending the wedding of her to a ghost. 
Well, and the fact that this is a quote that actually exists in uh, 2018. Quote, I told him I wasn't really cool with having casual sex with a spirit and wanted us to make a proper commitment to each other. I think what's even weirder is that for their wedding, they boated into International Waters, the wedding party, and shout out to International Waters, two episodes in a row. But she and her wedding party were there for the wedding, and uh, the article, and she clarifies that this was a wedding party of 12 of their closest friends and family. A 300-year-old ghost. Yes, I wonder if, like, the friends were just, like, historians and, like, mediums and, like, other fake pirates. Like, how how are all these people enabling this woman? I mean, she hired a medium to say the I do part of the vows. Like, she really leaned into it. Yeah, I mean, she claims that the only difference with having a sexual relationship with a spirit is obviously that the sense of touch gets deeper. You can literally feel the physical act of what the spirit is doing to you, and the spirit can feel it too. You know what? That sounds a lot like regular, regular life, because that shit happens to anyone who has sex with someone else in real life, so you're just lying. That's not how this works. Yeah, I think legally she technically married the medium who said I do. Good point. That, uh, I wonder if that comes up in the divorce proceedings. Maybe Jack files for divorce and is like, we never actually married, so you can't claim that. I hope she got a prenup, because otherwise this ghost is going to get half her shit. How would a ghost sign a prenup? Uh, ectoplasm? Probably. There's just a lot of goo falling onto a piece of paper. Hey, that's binding. That is the most disgusting use of ooze we've probably had, a binding document, literally and figuratively. And we've had some pretty disgusting episodes. That's true. We talked about Martin Shkreli more than once. Ah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you take over for Hater of the Week. Uh, give me your give me your candidate. I mean, fuck, that's kind of hard to follow because anything that's real is going to sound a little bit mundane compared to marrying a ghost. Uh, I think you can manage. You're pretty good at this. Well, I'll try. And um, I'm delving into my own profession here because my Hater of the Week is a Florida lawyer named Jay Romano. who Any relation to Ray Romano? Well, nobody loves Jay. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. He was uh, filing a complaint on behalf of a client with a judge in the Southern District of Florida, and the judge, Cecilia Altanaga, read his complaint and found it incomprehensible. It wasn't because he was using too many complicated legal terms, though. She said that he had a bunch of nonsensical sentences, sentence fragments, grammatical errors, spelling errors, and punctuation errors, and it was so upsetting to her, and understandably so, because there are standards for these things that she gave him a chance to submit a new complaint with a unique stipulation. Jay Romano has to certify that his pleading has been reviewed and approved by a teacher of the English language. Not only does he have to get an English teacher to read his complaint before he refiles it, there has to be certification that an English teacher reviewed his statement. Then he has to get that certified to include in his statement. That is so embarrassing. Yeah. This is all public record. Like, the guy's name is out there for being this bad at his job. And the judge warned that if he submitted anything that as bad as his original complaint again, she would report him to the state bar. I feel like you and I should do a little role play of how this conversation will go for Jay as he approaches an English teacher to review his next document or his next appeal. My hope is that he approaches an English teacher at, like, an elementary school. Oh, my God, that would be great. Like a first grade elementary teacher? Jay, Jay. I before E, except after C. No, but I don't understand. So what are those little dots that happen to be, you see all the time throughout my paragraphs? What are those? Well, you know the expression dot the I's and cross the T's? Yes. Those are the dots. Right, but why are some of them at the bottom of the word? J. J. What? J. Just what? 
You should stop being a lawyer. What? I don't understand. I mean, I've always been fine doing things at things when working. With a sentence like that, I'm not surprised that you're this bad at writing. But, but teacher, but teacher, isn't it show and tell later? <laughs> that he might actually get a good grade in. That's true. He'd probably be able to show his uh, complaint. It might get a little pro- uh, props from the teacher, maybe a gold star. But this, I mean, I can't imagine this type of ruling has been given ever before. Like, forcing someone to go get their shit edited? I've seen judges, um, both in practice and in theory, reject documents and pleadings because of, you know, a legal error or some sort of issue or some incorrect item within the complaint. But never have I seen anything where the judge was specifically mad because it was this poorly written. And the worst part is there's no real, like, we don't get a copy of what he wrote. Right. Um, but there are a couple of snippets in the AboveTheLaw.com blog post about this. Like, for example, under a under a, the heading Disparate Treatment, the complaint didn't actually discuss any disparate treatment for the client. It just talked about retaliation against the client. So... I don't know if this guy was just using some random like template and didn't bother changing appropriate parts of it, or if he is just this dumb. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just seems like, well, one, I mean, I, as someone who, uh, you know, is kind of a grammar nerd, I mean, some of this is annoying, right? If someone brings you a professional document, it's poorly written. Like, yeah, you're going to be a little bit irked for sure. Yeah. I know when I look at resumes, it's shocking to me when people have typos in their resume or grammatical errors. It's like, this is one document supposed to represent you. And when you're a lawyer, you probably have a lot of those documents that represent you as a professional. But to not only go so far as to say that not only will we not accept your work, but you need to go to a teacher to get it approved before I even look at it again is like... It's essentially just saying you're a child, right? Like, that's what's happening. Right. Like, she doesn't trust him to be a competent adult with good reason. Well, Gian, if I ever see your name in the news for one of these things, I'll know you got inspiration from Mr. J. Romano. I'll be my own hater of the week if that's the case. I sure hope not. All right. Well, everyone, please tell us uh, who you think the best hater of the week was. Uh, You can visit us at Twitter at life gives you the letter you hate uh let us know who you think whether it's amanda teague of uh northern ireland or jay romano of florida because of course that happened in florida Mm -hmm. uh please let us know yeah shall we move forward let's let's do it um all right well let's take let's take over some other good law news uh going back across the pond to the uk uh jihan tell us about this lovely doctor that you sent me an article about that made me vomit yeah, this was uh, this story broke a couple of months ago, actually, but it, there's finally uh, a full outcome here that we can talk about. So a surgeon named Simon Bramhall was busted for using a surgery laser to inscribe his initials into the livers of two of his patients a few years ago. What? Why would he do that? Well, because when you're SB, you got to represent. Well, right, right. Straight up hood. Yeah. So uh, he managed to avoid jail time, which... I, I can't even imagine what this trial was like, but the judge decided that it would be enough to hit him with 120 hours of community service and a $14,000 fine. Um, I, I mean, I guess it seems very like light on the punishment. Like you can't just like, this is an art. You can't sign your work. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And the judge pointed out that this is professional arrogance of a magnitude that strays into criminal behavior. But at the same time, um, medical reviews of both of these patients showed that 
he hadn't actually done anything that affected the liver's functionality. And despite his searing his initials into their livers, there's not going to be any health or clinical impact on either patient. It's hard to believe that someone who, if you like etch your initials into someone's liver, that it has no effect on the liver, right? Like I'm not a doctor. I mean, I do play one on TV, but that seems that seems kind of hard to believe. Well, one of the patients agrees with you because she still feels violated and doesn't appreciate that he's only getting get away with community service. But I guess, I don't know, best case scenario, he will stop using lasers to burn his initials into people. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of kind of a little sketchy here. Uh, the judge also said that what mitigated uh, the doctor's sentence was that on both occasions... You were stressed and tired, and this may have affected your judgment. Like, you don't get to engrave your initials in someone and claim, I was stressed and tired and get away. Like, that's insane. Yes, this is true. And I think that part of the reason he got away with such a light slap on the wrist is because there's no real precedent for this. Like, how many other stories have you heard of someone using a laser to burn their initials into people? I mean, other than serial killers, probably very few. Mm, that's true but they're usually going to go ahead and eat the liver so the fact that these people are alive and well might have helped this case that's a good point yeah if he had, if he starts eating the livers after his community service then we can come back to oh him. oh eating the liver yeah that's that's a different story right i feel like we'll have to get in that uh jury pool after that because we got to put this guy away if he starts eating livers agreed well let, all right let's not spread any rumors about guys who are definitely eating livers in britain um, but keep on the health tilt. I'm liking this health tilt. We haven't done a health episode in a while. No, and usually uh, when we do, it's about gross diets. I know it. Or terrible, like, Burger King creations. So this is a new twist. So you know what? You can. Why don't you t- tee off the next story? That way we can get into something uh, a little bit more fun. Yeah, uh, something a little more wacky, if you will. I'm in for whack. Yeah, so Canada is going ahead with legal marijuana at a recreational level, and in preparation for this, the government of Canada has put out several memos uh, to help inform people and departments of health how to deal with marijuana, which uh, it's, you know, it's a good idea. It's something that not everyone understands, and uh, it would help for more documentation to be out there. But the best part is, in their documents, they listed a plethora of nicknames for weed. And uh, some of them you might be familiar with. You might have heard, for example, pot, bud, dope. If you listen to rap, you've definitely heard trees. Mm-hmm. But that's where it gets weird, because after those typical names, they have a few curveballs that gave both of us pause. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at some of these, like rosin. I've never heard of, but it sounds like it's some new version of uh, cannabis that's become popular. Uh, boom is another one. Never heard of that. Perp, I'm pretty sure perp is just short for like syrup syrup or scissorp as the right. gentlemen of rap say i'm pretty sure that's not for weed no. uh, i had actually never heard wax which is on here too gangster Sh- just gangster the word gangster uh shatter never heard of it no that sounds like a much harder drug butter i guess makes sense but it's not i mean i never heard of it and then uh the favorite i think uh, for us was dank crippy yeah we both were big fans of that one Possibly uh, because sh- no one's ever said that in the history of drugs. I've never heard that before. Now, it is in Canada, so, you know, they might just be confused AF. But uh, this is, it doesn't make any sense. But thank you to the federal government of Canada for putting out this list. 
but have you heard of any other names that they're missing here? I, I personally feel like they covered all of them, but I... I'd... Well, the, the one that stood out to me the most that they forgot is the one that I also hinted at earlier, uh, Wacky Tabacky. They totally forgot about that one. Wacky Tabacky feels like something uh, off like a 70s show when they couldn't didn't know what weed was. Yeah, that's probably where it came from. And then... Um, popped up again in the simpsons and once it's in the simpsons it's going to be in like half of pop culture from there on yeah that's true i feel like the simpsons could have just named drugs for years and people would have just assumed that was that was the official name for it like uh well if you had told me disco biscuit had come from uh the simpsons i'd totally believe you but that is my favorite drug name uh for ecstasy oh nice well other than booger sugar but that's an e40 reference so yeah that's a good one yeah i think uh, devil's lettuce is also Ooh, devil's one. lettuce yeah sounds like an item you could get at a very fancy restaurant super organic super organic it's like the it's new kale yeah yeah but yeah those two would probably be my my biggest uh omitted names well thank you to canada for bringing that along for us because uh you are doing the most let's put it that way thank you canada as always and speaking of people we uh, are sarcastically thanking, let's ho- head back over to Sweden. We've just been crossing back and over the Atlantic Ocean this whole episode. Uh, yeah, we're international today. But more health, uh, more health news over there. Stockholm's, I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, S, I'm going to guess it's Soderjokuset Hospital. How do you not know um, how to pronounce it? Do you know how to pronounce it? No, I was just shaming you for getting it uh, wrong. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, but yes, Soda Jacuzit uh, Hospital has now reported that this app called Natural Cycles uh, has led to a number of unwanted pregnancies. And you might be asking, how could an app lead to unwanted pregnancies? And this is exactly, this is a, not a, I'm not even going to say it's correlated, it's causation. This is fucking stupid. Yeah, and uh, all the more surprising because Sweden is usually one of the, I guess what we would call them, one of the smarter countries. But this is just, this is like shkreli stupid right i know and what's funny is it's i believe was was norway the country that donald trump said was not a shithold country yes yeah well uh sweden trying its very hardest to bring scandinavia back into the shithole country uh debate because so they created this app this natural cycles app not the hospital but uh it was it was an app created in sweden used by over five hundred thousand women in the country um, to scan their body temperature during their menstrual cycle to notify w- women when it's okay to have unprotected sex. Uh, on the calendar in the app, what? days that are marked as green are okay. And if it shows red couples or other things like that, you should use an extra form of protection. Let's go with seems a like a well, seems like a terrible idea because why would you trust your sexual health to a single app and not a real doctor? Yeah, but, we're not women's health experts, but that's a big red flag to us already. Right, and also, apparently, Natural Cycles research suggests that it is more effective than a contraceptive pill, which is bullshit, because it literally is not a contraceptive pill and leaves you wide open for pregnancy, which, in a study of just 600 women, 37 pregnancy cases happen, unwanted pregnancies, specifically. So there may have been other pregnancies, which are not specified, but 37 out of 600 is 5.5%. Goddamn. The best part is, in a statement, Natural Cycles, the company that released the app, they, their, their response to this controversy is, no contraception is 100%, and unwanted pregnancies are an unfortunate risk with any contraception. It's a weird way to describe it. Yeah, well, classifying your app as contraception is not contraception. 
Yeah, that's a good point. That's like saying, you know, if I tell my kid to be abstinent, that's them. That's me giving them contraception. That's not how that works. So, unfortunately, um, Germany's Department of Health in February of, I believe, last year became the f- uh, it was the first app to be certified for contraceptive use, uh, and then UK users started using it, and so hundreds of thousands of people have been affected by this, and the folks who founded it got $30 million in funding uh, just a couple months ago. That's pretty bonkers. I think that this is the kind of study where, like, even if you have good intentions with an app like this, maybe don't start with thousands of people trying this all at once. Well, the problem, and I mean... Hold up to that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, like you said, we're not doctors. We don't know how this works. But you can't assume that a phone, which at the drop of a hat seems to lose battery power halfway through immediately it's not a, it's not a technologically sa- you know it's obviously very technologically savvy but it does do shouldn't replace medical attention especially for something as important as pregnancy yeah absolutely so i i, j- I had to bring this one up because this is fucking ridiculous and uh remember everyone don't have sex with anyone it's a terrible idea oh unless it's a ghost unless it's a ghost then please have sex with them a lot but make sure it's not casual that's Get true. A ectoplasm ring on. Find it. A, yeah, exactly. If you like it, then put a ring on it that can float around with a ghost. Perfect. What kind of ring would Casper wear? Do you have fingers? Ooh. I don't know. We got to talk to the Ghostbusters about this one. <laughs> That's tough, man. Every ghost is different. Because if they don't have fingers, are you putting the ring on like their nubs or like that little tail part at the bottom? Oh yeah, that would be kind of cute. Because like Boo from Mario, he didn't have hands. He just had those little like flaps or fins or whatever on the side. Right. So, like, right. you couldn't give him a ring. No, but he was also a bad guy, so you probably wouldn't want to. Right, but, I mean, Jack Sparrow's a pirate. He's not exactly a good guy. Well, she was a Jack Sparrow impersonator, so they had that connection. True. That's a good point. You have to take that into account. There's a lot of factors in this story I don't think I took into account when I brought it up originally. Surprisingly a high amount of nuance for a story about a lady marrying a ghost. Good point. Also, uh, another question. Ghost dick. Ghost dick. Can they get hard? Huh. I guess yes. They must be able to, right? You know, assuming they're just made of, like, goo and stuff. It seems like logically, no, but, like... Right. Figuratively, yeah, they gotta bang other ghosts. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, if they can poltergeist stuff, it makes sense that they can become tangible. Good point. So that checks out. Yeah. Well, I guess if you see two toasters having sex, you probably know it's a ghost doing it. Yeah. Man, I didn't realize we were gonna get this far into ghost sex, but I'm pretty excited about it. We talk about the issues... And this is a big issue. That's probably why the Ghostbusters say they aren't afraid of no ghost because they were just busy having sex with them. Mm -hmm. Way to continue that conversation. I realize I'm really driving you off the edge here. So I'm going to let us (laughs) go over to our good thing of the week so Jihan can get away from me talking about ghost dick. I mean, you know, if I have to. You have to. That's part of the show. You have to help me close the show. Oh, okay. I just meant the ghost dick, but sure. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. Go for it. Cl- help me close the show. Yeah. We uh, we have an interesting good thing of the week this week. Uh, it's one that requires us to post what we're talking about so you can really appreciate it. Um, but it's also weird because it's political, and we very rarely have political good things of the week. True. But apparently, the governors of Virginia have a tradition of playing pranks on their successors. For example, in 2006, when Mark Warner left the governor's seat and uh, became a senator, he left a life-size cutout of himself in the shower for the newly elected Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine, when he left office four years later, would occasionally call cell phones he left in elevator shafts to prank his successor, Robert McDonald. Uh, Don't know what Robert McDonald did. He sounds like a boring dude based on his name. 
but the current governor who just left terry mcauliffe probably wins the prank wars uh as he left a decorative and imaginative prank for his successor governor ralph northam when they went to the governor's mansion and prepared to have their first night in the mansion together they found pillowcases with terry mcauliffe's face on them (laughs) and the caption sleep when you're dead i i don't i don't even know how that how he thought of that idea but even funnier is that northam texted governor terry mcauliffe uh and said he texted him and thanked him and then terry said there's more to come which what is he gonna send more pillowcases more pictures of himself yeah well apparently the second prank was a random alarm that he'd hidden in the bedroom went off at 3 a.m their first night and northam has yet to find that alarm but here's hoping there's more because this is probably the best thing to happen in politics this year already I know, it's a good early take for best uh, political story. But I have to take you to task on something. I think the uh, the Tim Kaine putting cell phones in the elevator shafts is a much better prank oh, yeah? than the uh, life-size cutout, or the life-size cutout, or the pillowcases. I think that's a really annoying prank, because if you can't find those phones, he can do that feasibly forever. That's true. Um, I will agree that the cutout in the shower is pretty boring, not very imaginative. But there's just something nice about the pillowcases, like the caption, sleep when you're dead, and a picture of your grinning former governor. Is just, it is very succinct. Yeah, it's I like, like something you'll never see again in your life. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that they have a little, you know, a sense of humor about this. Also, one other thing, governor's mansions. Do you have to live in a governor's mansion if you are the governor? You do not have to, but traditionally it's just a dope house do. that people live in. Yeah, like, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't really live in the governor's mansion much. Um, And a couple of states' governors have actually sold the mansions. Oh, well, in that case, I just pranked the shit out of those places because they probably wouldn't even check. Yeah. Make it like a haunted house and just leave it that way. Ooh, that would be cool. Yeah. In which case, uh, hiding shit in elevator shafts would be a good start. That's true. Yeah, you'd make a... That would be a good movie, good movie premise. Governors keep pranking each other in the house, and then eventually there's actually, like, a ghost that starts fucking people. Back to ghost sex. Yep, and then a bachelor governor marries the ghost, and they live happily ever after. Good point. Man, we did this. Who's cast in this movie? Who's, let's say, who is the bachelor governor? Gosling. Gosling? Wow, I thought you were going to be a little older. Well, he did Lars and the Real Girl, so I'm sure he'd be fine with marrying a ghost in a movie. Right. I was going to say Spacey replaced by Christopher Plummer again. That was oh. so, such a great work before. But, nice. Um, I like that one. And the ghost. Who would the ghost be? Hmm. Casey Affleck played a ghost in a movie recently, but I think he's on the Kevin Spacey train at the moment. Yeah. I was going to say Whoopi, but I don't think that'll work again. Yeah. Um. Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. That could be good. Bring him back in a different form. All right, I'm in for that casting. Johnny Depp and Christopher Plummer star in a hard for ghost. I don't know, a solid a solid spirit. Um, everything I'm thinking of sounds like a porno title. So let's, I mean, let's it's about out. a it's about a guy who fucks a ghost. But so. they get married. It's romantic. Well, yeah, you can't just casually have sex with a ghost. We've learned that. If we've learned That's nothing true. from this episode, you can't just fuck a ghost casually. That's true. You got to commit. Gotta commit. All right. Now that we've taught you all that great lesson, Jihan, what else do we tell the people at home to do every single episode? Uh, we tell them that ghosts aren't real. It's not a real thing. There are no such things as ghosts. It's true. Don't be afraid of no ghost. No, we're not afraid of no ghost. We ain't afraid of no ghost. Damn, that's what it was. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, you know me. I'm good with lyrics. I just got to watch Ghostbusters again. Well, 
in any case, remember to hate, hate, hate. Hate, hate, hate. Good night, America.